Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. The title of our message this morning is that four-letter word that is thrown around so easily so often that the power of it has, has become very diluted and, and weakened in our modern, sophisticated society. People have become careless in the way they use that word. That word is love. Right. So the title is love, on this Sunday of love, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, John 15, Genesis 6. So Lord, open up your word to us. Your word is alive and it's active, and, and we just know it's, it, it's for today. Otherwise, this is just a book of old, old stories. But we know what your word speaks to us today might be different than what it spoke to us six months ago or last year. So make it come alive afresh in our spirits this morning, in our hearts, God. Speak to us. We need fresh manna from heaven this morning. Yesterday's won't do. So come, give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to this church this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Okay. Everybody okay this morning? Glad to be here? Okay, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here too. All right. His law is love. Was the lyric to that song, we just sang it. His law is love. And when one of the Jewish Pharisees, who, who was an expert in the law, asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus told him it was to love, didn't he? Yeah, the answer is yes. He told him to love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your hearts, all your hearts, all your souls, all your minds. And I wonder how many of us can honestly say we do that. That we love the Lord with all of our heart. Anybody? How about all of our soul or with all of our mind? Can any of us say we love the Lord like that? You didn't see my hand go up, right? Why, why don't we? Why don't we love him like that? Because according to Jesus, this is clearly the first and the greatest commandment in the Bible. But we have, love, we have trouble loving the Lord like that, don't we? Or am I the only one? Life gets in the way, doesn't it? We're really, really busy people, especially this time of year. Sometimes life just gets in the way. But did anything get in the way of the Lord loving us? No, no. Aren't you thankful he wasn't too busy for us? It's unfortunate. We're the ones too busy for the king of the universe. Now we know, as Tierra just said, the most popular verse in the whole Bible is about God's love for us. For God so loved, right? He loved not just the Jews, not just the Republicans, not just the really nice people, but God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Love is an action verb. He gave his very, very, very best. He gave his son Jesus. But do we give him our best? Do we give him our first fruits? Or do we just give him the leftovers? Or do we give him anything at all? And if not, why not? It all belongs to him. God put such a high value on you and me that he gave his son, his only son, Jesus. 
to suffer and to die an excruciating, painful death on a cross so, so that we could be forgiven of all our sins and have the only way to the Father through Jesus. And if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, yeah, I highly encourage you don't wait. Come talk to me later. You don't want to play around with your eternity. He, he went to the cross for us. Don't ever think that you're insignificant. Don't ever think that, that you lack value. It may sound real humble to say, well, I'm nothing but a poor old rotten sinner. I really don't count for much. That may sound humble, but there's this thing known as false humility. If you are truly born again, if you are reborn, you are a child of the king of the universe. And I've heard people make excuses all the time saying, well, I was just born that way. Can't help it. I was born that way. That's why you need to be reborn, right? That's why you need to be born again. We were bought for a price, folks, a very, very, very high price. So don't ever think that your life lacks value because that's the devil's lie. God made every one of us in his image. And he determined our high value when he sent Jesus to take our place on that bloody cross. And I read something just the other day. I never thought about it before, but, but in, in Genesis, uh, where God says, let us make man or let us create people in our image, our. And we think of the Godhead as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we're made in the image of God the Father. We're made in the image of God the Son. And we're also made in the image of God the Holy Spirit. And the punishment that brought us peace wasn't upon us. It was upon Jesus, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now listen, our value has nothing to do whatsoever with any great thing that we've done. But it has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Our Papa God, our Abba, our Heavenly Father, he loves us so much that he gave and he sent his only son so that whosoever, I love that word, whosoever. Don't you love that word, whosoever? If you have accepted Christ by faith, you're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. I hope you're all whosoever's. The whosoever believes in him would not perish, right? He wants everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I mean, that's a real demonstration of God's love for us, isn't it? Because words need actions to back them up. I've said this before, but I could stand up here every Sunday morning and tell you over and over and over again that I love you, that I love you, that I love you, that I love you. But if there's never any demonstration of that love, never any expression of that love, how long are you going to believe me? Probably not long. There needs to be a demonstration. There needs to be some action. Now, in my earlier years, I've been in some demonstrations, years ago when I could run faster. But let me tell you, those demonstrations had a lot of action, right? Okay, where was it? There needs to be a demonstration of love. There needs to be some action to back up our words because talk is cheap. That's why God says, you know, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are... Far from me. Talk is cheap. God backed up his words with action, and we need to do the same. 
The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, can you finish it? Christ died for us. He died for us. Now I know that all the jewelry stores this time of year are advertising their symbols of what they want us to believe are symbols of love. And they are. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against jewelry. I'm just very blessed to be married to a woman who doesn't need a lot of jewelry to feel loved. So no matter how pretty the rings look or the necklaces or the bracelets look, the greatest symbol of real love that there ever was or ever will be will be the cross of Jesus Christ. His cross will always, 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 always be the greatest symbol of real love, that real agape love that there ever will be. So if you want to know what real love looks like, look at the cross. Amen? Now, I believe most of us have a pretty good understanding of how much God loves us by how he demonstrated his love for us at Calvary and how he continues to demonstrate it every day of our lives. But how much do we love God? How much devotion do we show Jesus? Because we're devoted to a lot of things. We're devoted to some people. But how devoted are we to Jesus? We sing, oh, come let us adore him. We sing, for you alone are worthy. But is he? Is he the only one worthy? Do we really love him? Do we really adore him? You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? You'll do what I'm telling you to do. If you really, really love me, you'll do what I'm telling you to do, not just the parts you prefer. So if we really love Jesus, we'll, we'll obey him. We'll obey his commands. But I think that for a lot of us, even as professing Christians, we just kind of love Jesus because we just kind of obey him. And we just kind of read our Bible. And we just kind of study his word. And we, we kind of live a, a Christ-like lifestyle because, because we only kind of love him. I hope that makes sense. Let's never measure God's love for us by our love for him. There's no comparison. It's not even close. The Apostle Paul really wants us to have a greater understanding of how much God loves us in his letter to the Ephesians. So, Lord, open up your word now. Speak to us. We, we need to hear this. We need to walk out of here with something more than we walked in with. So give us ears to hear it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. Remember, now Paul's writing from a prison in Rome. Verse 12 and 13, Paul writes, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come fearlessly into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. Some translations read, we can come boldly and confidently, or we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come fearlessly into God's presence assured of his glad welcome. So please don't despair because of what they are doing to me here. It's for you that I'm suffering. So you should feel honored and encouraged. And he goes on in verse 14, 14, 15, and 16. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, 
unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we pray about what really concerns us, don't we? We may not always be aware of a need somebody has unless they tell us or we're asked to pray for someone or some situation. But we don't really pray about things we're not concerned with, do we? But prayer expresses our concern. It is, expresses our desire. So, so when was the last time you just fell to your knees in prayer like, like Paul here? It was so heavy on you. It was so concerning and overwhelming. It, it just, you fell to your knees. Paul had a deep concern, a deep desire for the Ephesians to, to stand strong in their faith in Christ and not to be discouraged that he was in prison. And he wanted them to know just how deep God's love for them is. And he wants every one of us to know how deep God's love is for you and me. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. What a prayer. I received that prayer this morning, don't you? That Holy Spirit would strengthen each one of us in the inner man, the, in, the inner woman, right in here where we really need it. Let's receive that this morning. All right, let's keep going deeper into Paul's prayer. Verse 17 and 18. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. I love that. More and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. See, the more we trust in Christ, the more he'll be at home in our hearts. Isn't that great? So how much do we trust in him? And I love that next line. Just picture this. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Are we really rooted and established in his love? Or are we constantly trying to earn his love? Hoping he's not mad at us when we stumble and fall. This line from Paul is for every one of us here at Joy this morning. Put your name in that verse. May your roots, Stephen. May your roots, Alyssa. May your roots, Wendy. May your roots go down deep into that soil, that rich soil of God's marvelous love. Mm. I love that. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. See, we should all understand this is what Paul's saying. As all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. Paul wants us to know that we are deeply loved. I want you to know that you're deeply loved. Isn't that what we all want? To know we're loved? I believe we all want to know we're loved. I know I sure do. And God's love, that's that rich soil. His love is that rich soil in which your life and my life need to be rooted in. Because I don't think we can really love others if we're not deeply rooted in God's love. Would you agree with that? Can we really love others if we're not rooted in God's love? And if you don't agree with that, 
you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the Word of God. But we need to understand that God's love is wide enough to include all mankind, all humankind. God's love is long enough to last for all eternity. God's love is deep enough to reach down to the most depraved sinner, and it's high enough to raise him or her all the way up to heaven. I hope that makes sense. Now, I hope this is encouraging someone this morning. But even if we understand, even if we experience all of this, he says we'll never fully get it. Not this side of heaven. Look what Paul says in verse 19 and 20. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Mm. Filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I really like that. So this is a love that is so wide, and it's so long, and it's so high, and it's so deep that it surpasses our knowledge, our understanding, this side of heaven. His love surpasses knowledge. So imagine, we're going to spend eternity exploring and discovering his unlimited riches of his grace and his love. Let that sink in. So we're going to be spending eternity exploring and discovering his unlimited riches of his grace and his love. We have all the fullness of God available to us in Christ, but it's just too much for us to fully comprehend here. Remember, he is the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine. Immeasurably more, it can't be measured, it's off the charts. All we could ask for or imagine, I've said this before, we can ask to the point where it sounds like we're getting greedy. I don't know about you. I can imagine some stuff that's really out there. And he can do so much more than that. We can't even measure it. All right, let's look at another passage of Scripture that describes God's love for us on this Sunday of love. John's Gospel, chapter 15. You know, it's the I am the vine, you are the branches chapter, the abide in me chapter. And these are Jesus' words now. Look at verse 9 and 10 of John 15. Jesus says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide. Abide. Dwell. Remain. Live. Abide in my love. Look at those first two words. Just as. This is so amazing to me. Just as. Jesus is telling us that in the same way, in the same way the Father has loved Jesus, that's the same way Jesus loves us. In the same way, just as. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Do you think the Father loves Jesus? How much do you think the Father loves Jesus? A lot? Yeah. More than we'll ever comprehend. Well, guess what? Just as the Father has loved Jesus, that's how much he loves you and me. The same amount of love, just as, in the same way. Somebody need to hear that this morning. Is there still any orphan spirits floating around in this room? They have to go now. They have no right being here in the name of Jesus. Orphan spirit, you leave. Because we are loved. We are loved by the Father. And Jesus loves us as much as the Father loves him. Just as the Father has loved me, Jesus is telling every one of us this morning, I have also loved you, so abide in my love. 
He goes on. If, all right, it's a big if. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as, there's that just as again. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is, this is way too much for my little brain to understand. But I know this, God loves us, right? Jesus loves us, right? He loves us because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us. And he created us to love. And he created us to be loved. He created us to love him and to love others. And I want to switch gears here before we close to remind us of how our love for God or our lack of love for God affects his heart. You ever think about his heart? There's a pretty devastating passage in the book of Genesis that talks about how things were in the days of Noah, before, before the flood. It's in Genesis chapter 6. Look at verse 5 and 6. Now the Lord observed the extent of the people's wickedness, and he saw that all their thoughts were consistently and totally evil. Wow. All their thoughts, all of them, were consistently and totally evil. That's sad, but here's the sadder part. So the Lord was sorry he was sorry he had ever made them. It broke his heart. Do you hear that? It broke the Lord's heart. I used to think sometimes I've disappointed the Lord. I used to think sometimes he was upset with me. But I never quite fully thought I broke his heart. That's how deeply personal this was to God. And verse 6 here describes such heartbreak. I can almost imagine tears flowing from his face. What was it? What was so significant that broke the heart of the king of the universe, the creator of everything? What was it that broke his heart? It was betrayal. It was a personal betrayal of relational love. It happens, doesn't it? As I said earlier, we were created to love. We were created to be loved. Everything God does is motivated by his love for us, whether it's blessing us or correcting us, whether it's delivering us or whether it's disciplining us. His motivation for everything is his love for us. Everything Jesus did while he was here was motivated by his love. And the Lord expects everything that we do to be motivated by love as well. His love. His love for us, his love for others, our love for him, our love for others. Our first love was meant to be for our creator. Remember, it was Jesus who said, that's the first and the greatest commandment. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And it's out of that love for God that our obedience comes for the rest of his commands. If we really love God, the lawgiver, then we'll find joy and peace staying within his protective boundaries for us. It's like guardrails on, on a mountain road. You know, they're, they're not there to take our fun away. They're there to protect us. They're there to keep us from going off the deep end, going off the cliff. Well, God's boundaries are his guardrails designed to keep us from going off the cliff too. I hope that makes sense. But after Adam and Eve were deceived into believing that somehow they knew better than God, 
very seductive and very powerful love replaced the love we were meant to have exclusively for God. It was the love of self, the love of ourselves. When we choose to love ourselves more than we love God, well, then it becomes very easy to step over his protective boundaries. Because our hearts aren't motivated by love for him anymore. Our hearts are motivated, motivated by love for ourselves more. It becomes our wants and our desires first, not God's. And when we choose, and it's a choice, when we choose to violate his principles that are designed to give us life, then we let evil in. It just takes a little, little crack. We let evil in. And, and when, when evil comes in and we let it thrive in a way it did back in Genesis, that's when God's heart breaks. So humanity needed to be rescued, right? Somebody, somebody needed to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We needed someone to defeat this love of self and restore the love of God in our hearts. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. It tells us that he, meaning Christ, he died for everyone. You get that? He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer what? No longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So during this Advent season, as we prepare, as we anticipate, we can celebrate this baby who broke into the history of the world over 2,000 years ago. Little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, right? We can celebrate this invasion of holiness that broke through the darkness. This baby who came on a rescue mission. He came to us. Better yet, he came for us. Because he knew we'd never go to him on our own. He came to us and he came for us. He came to deliver betraying lovers like you and me back to our first love. But let's remember this, this rescuing work of our Savior wasn't just a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. By his grace, we're, we're no longer slaves to that deceptive love of self. We are free, right? We, we're free to experience and live in the soul-satisfying love of God. Jesus tells us in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. They won't know that we're his disciples by the big, impressive buildings we build. They won't know we're his disciples by all the slick, hip stuff we do. They'll know we're his disciples if we love one another. Listen, if any of us are not aware of this great love that God has for every one of us, it's because we're, we're too aware of too many other things, okay? We're, we're just being more and more aware of too much that we're missing. We need to be aware of this great love. But let's be aware that that love of self is still there. It's still there. It still remains. So let's be aware of the battle of, the, of these two loves, love of self, love of God, that's being fought in our hearts being fought in our hearts in the relationships we have. It's, it's being fought in, in the situations of our everyday lives, that, that love of self and love of God. 
to listen. Let's decree this. One day, because that baby boy came to earth, every cell of our hearts and our souls and our minds will be captivated by the love of God. Let's make that our decree this morning. That every cell of my heart and your heart and our souls and our minds will be captured and captivated by the love of God and will live joyfully inside his boundaries forever and ever. Now that's a reason to celebrate Christ's advent, amen? That's a reason to celebrate Christmas. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to stand for a closing prayer. If anybody wants prayer for anything at all, we always have the front open for ministry time. Maybe you just want to sit where you are and meditate. Maybe you want to get off in a corner somewhere. Or maybe the Lord is nudging you to go pray for that person. Don't, don't ignore that. Don't blow that off. Listen to that. All right. Lord, thank you. As we look into your word, we, we try on this side of heaven, try to get a better understanding, a better glimpse of your love for us. And yet we know we can't fully grasp it. But Lord, let us always be grateful and thankful for it. And let us return to our first love. That first love was created for you. Not the stuff of this world, not each other, not someone else, but for you first and then others. Teach us from that on this Sunday of love, Lord. You came because of love. You suffered because of love. You're coming back because of love. And we need to be ready. And we need to prepare not just to celebrate your first advent, but to prepare for your second advent. That word advent comes from a Latin word that means arrival or coming. And, and we want to be prepared and ready for your second advent, your second arrival, because you've promised us you're coming back. And we all need to be ready for that glorious day. So I just ask a special blessing over everyone here that maybe this is just old news. We've heard this story over and over again. But Lord, make it come alive in a new way. Encourage us, persuade us, um, motivate us to love the way you love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.